dedicated to trots racing. On winners, welcome to Gate Speed. And let's talk trots. Joining us, Jason Bonington. How are you, Jace? Very good, thanks, Nuts. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Well, let's talk about some of the things that have happened over the last week. And first of all, fantastic Sand makes it five. Country Cup this term with an easy Warrigal win. Yeah, it seems uh, almost inconceivable, doesn't it, that he will not be the Victorian uh, Country Cup horse of the year. That will go to Buster Brady. Of course, San Carlo won the same number of Country Cups and did a magnificent job, didn't he? Uh, I think that probably the piece de resistance, de resistance of his uh, Country Cup season, his regional feature season, was parking Tiger Tara in the Cranbourne Cup and being him. But he's winning the Warrigal Cup and also the Mildura Cup to finish his season. Absolutely outstanding now. There's plenty of conjecture out there. There's been a change in policy over the last couple of years, as we know, with the abolition of standing starts in Victoria, that uh, most of those country cups were run from the stand. And people saying, well, look, he's had an easy time of it. He, he ran trial pace once he found the front. But at the end of the day, you can only face the opposition um, that you're up against. And I think the alternate argument to that, just while we're on this point, is that if... San Carlo was handicapped in a standing start for a race like the Warrigal Cup. I think most people would recognise that he wouldn't turn up because the handicap would be far too large after winning four country cups for the season. And then, unfortunately, I just feel you'd have people coming up and saying, well, this is this is a very ordinary country cup. So it works both ways a little bit. San Carlo was there. The people of Warrigal got an opportunity to go and see, I'm sure, a horse who was one of Australia's best uh, six or seven, and um, and he won in dominant fashion. Anna Malak, who of course was the Golden Nugget winner from Perth, was having its second run on Victorian soil for Dean Braun. And I think this it ran fourth and tied to run fourth, but people just have to be a little bit forgiving of that because uh, the Warrigal Circuit, tight turning circuit, one of those 800 metre tracks in Victoria, where if you're up on the speed and you're running okay time and you're one off the pegs, it can it can be a very very hard task. Was taking on the real A graders from an open class perspective in San Carlo for the the first time. If another horse had been in front or if he'd drawn in inside San Carlo, we might have had a race in our hands. But the way it worked out, I certainly wouldn't be jumping off Anna Malak. But uh, great to see San Carlo continue on his winning way. And also magnificent news uh, emanating from various sources that he'll be going on to tackle some really big races over the next couple of months. The Len Smith Mile at Tadcourt Park. Menangle is on the agenda. Of course, he didn't seem to handle the uh, Menangle track overly well in um, in the Miracle Mile qualified, but he did finish second to Franco Nelson the year before in the, in the Bohemia Crystal uh, free-for-all. So I, I don't see why he wouldn't be competitive in a race of that nature. And all things being equal, he'll go up to Queensland for their winter carnival, the Sunshine Sprint, which uh, might not suit perfectly, but the Blacks are fake will. So we're still awaiting that big Group 1 success, and many people say it won't happen, but he gets another few opportunities over the next couple of months, and I cross my fingers and toes that he does break through because he's had a majestic season in San Carlo. And also uh, the Kiwi filly, Belle of the Ball, and what looms as a proper Australasian Oaks. Yeah, Maggie, these were really good heats. I mean, people, some people uh, sometimes get up in arms about heat racing and say, look, it's non-competitive and all the rest of it, but the truth is the three Victoria Oaks qualifiers on Saturday night at Tadcourt Park, Melton were all absolutely sensational. And Belle of Montana, what she was able to do, 154.9 for the middle trip, just sat back Zachary Butcher and said, oh, look, I'm just going to sit back and use my speed the way I have been in uh, New Zealand, particularly at Alexandra Park. And uh, the win was just devastating. Miss Streisand has actually gone enormous in front, kicked clear and must have been, well, Bella Montana must have been spotting Miss Streisand 20 metres at one point in the race in the, in the final lap. But um, Zachary never really panicked. And as he cruised up uh, and got that little breather dropping in behind Miss Streisand in the concluding stages, then came again. It was pretty obvious he was going to get the job done. And it's a dollar fifty at the moment pre-draw for the Victoria Oaks final, uh, Bella of Montana. And I cannot see any conceivable way that she won't win the race. What I will say... 
talking about proper Australasian oaks, the Queensland filly who came down here smart as can be, she didn't look ultra-impressive. She did win, as we're all hoping she would, the second pull of fire, but I think she's going to be a far, far more dangerous commodity taking a sit. I just don't think... She got a little bit lost in front. She got on one rein in the concluding stages. I just think that if she gets an opportunity with the right draw to take a sit, maybe lead and trail one of her major rivals, hopefully not Belle of Montana, because if Belle of Montana leads, it'll be all over by the shouting. Smart as can be, can really improve. And Kualoa just once again proved how tough, courageous and brave she was in the third of the three. Uh, Victoria Oak seat sitting parked outside. A couple of fillies that um, are no easy kill in, in uh, tangoing with Sierra and Arabella Star was getting a good run in behind them. And uh, Kualoa still proved too strong. Bet America was very good in the same race. But Belle of Montana, clearly the one to beat, and that's why she's at this short quote. We just have to, I guess, for the competitiveness of the race on Saturday night, hope she draws poorly. But if she draws well, it won't be Mark Purden winning Victoria Oaks. This time it will be his brother Barry. And also JJ Dynamite in his brand new Love Bug bike. <laughs> JJ Dynamite, you and I will remember good times. Uh, the TV show, no, some of the listeners potentially won't, the younger ones, but uh, Savannah JJ uh, was very, very good on Saturday night and thoroughly deserved to win. I say love bug, like again, this is showing our age potentially, or mine at least, Herbie the love bug. I've, I've nicknamed James Herbertson, or at least we have, Blake Redden and myself, uh, Herbie the love bug. I didn't know this until I called Stan Cameron, the trainer of uh, Savannah JJ yesterday, but uh, he told me, look, the turnaround, there hasn't really been a turnaround in Savannah JJ's form, but potentially the the impetus for the breakthrough on Saturday night was the fact that uh, they've been basically using an old car for most of his preparation. And then just the last three starts, they've moved on. I think Stan was advised, you chuck a new card on this horse and it, it will not only be competitive with these A-graders, it'll be beating them at some stage. And so it turned out on Saturday night on the Uncle Patrick at Trotter's Free For All. It was a devastating victory in very fast time, 155 flat. And uh, he will just continue on speaking to Stan Cameron. He said he's not a horse now that he's got a little bit older that you can put away for too long because he doesn't take the weight off very easily. So they'll just keep him in work. And as we know, every fortnight there's going to be a semi-feature group, three-type race for the Trotters. But there's nothing to say that over the next 12 months, we know the Trotters uh, are a little bit like Ruckman. They get better with age. So with the right run, perfect circumstances, there's no reason why he couldn't pinch a genuine feature over the next 12 months. He's in terrific form and he's a credit to his trainer, Stan Cameron. So well done to Savannah JJ in his dynamite brand-new love bug bike. Very smart. All right. Uh, Iceman <laughs> brings the Easter cheer in the Apple Isle feature. Yeah, this is, this is a bit more standing start stuff here. Gavin Lang with Franco Tristan. It was just a brilliant drive. We, we know that there's certain drivers. I mean, the very best drivers. I think a lot of the time, uh, why the best drivers do want standing starts to um, re-emerge, particularly in Victoria, and have more of them is because... The best drivers are amazing at getting the best horses away or getting any horse away, really. Chris Alford and Gavin Lang are now virtually peerless at the trade, and he proved that again. The Iceman Gavin Lang at Launceston, or Launceston, I should say, over the weekend when he was able to find the front uh, with Franco Tristan after getting away nicely off the 10-metre handicap. He probably wasn't the best horse in the race, and uh, I think that was conceded by Gavin Lang, but the drive won in the race, and uh, well done to Gavin. Also, his parents, who own uh, Franco Tristan, magnificent run from the local Riley Major, who's come back from significant injuries and seems like he's going to go all the way to be a top-level pacer once more. He got strung up in traffic, and in the final stages, just absolutely ripped home and was luckless not to win the race. But all honours on the night went to Franco Tristan at Launceston, and well done to Gavin Lang, but... Um, like I say, I'm not sure if standing starts are going to be coming back anytime soon in Victoria, but certainly Gavin suggested he would enjoy that. And you can understand why after his brilliant drive at Launceston. Exactly. And also, um, Elmer gets the bunny in Renshaw for the ages. 
Yeah, Elmer's Image, um, this is another one of what you would class the, the really nice horses that have gone around over the last six or seven months that we've learned a lot more about. I guess you could throw, uh, to a lesser degree, Conviction had its little time in the sun. Our Uncle Sam's been a massive improver during the same time. So a lot of these horses have been sort of New South Wales, Sydney-based horses. Elmer's, image, Elmer's, image, Elmer's Image's win on Thursday night in the Renshaw Cup shouldn't be underestimated. Set parked outside Picard, who admittedly is probably more of a short-course horse. It was one thing to put Picard away from the breeze. It was another thing to resist the late challenges of really high-quality horses like Sicario and Ignatius. So, look, it was, a, it was a very, very big win to Elmer's Image, only just coming off a, a particularly big win in very fast time at Tadcourt Park Mangle over the short recently. So a massively versatile horse, short trip, long trip, can do work in his races, has a turn of foot. So... Elmer's Image is another one that's emerging, I guess, along with probably three or four others to be um, genuine horses who can tackle grand circuit races. And who knows, Elmer's Image might be targeting the Lensmith Mole and the Queensland Winter Carnival just as San Carlo is now. Mm, exactly. So uh, that's some of the points that we've learnt now. Just released, um, the Harness Racing Victoria have put a press release out and regarding a, a new system that's going to be implemented in regards to a ratings-based <laughs> handicapping system, Jase. Uh, this is going to be the... I mean, we haven't really discussed it a hell of a lot, to be fair, but this is going to be uh, the biggest game-changing um, innovation, I think, in harness racing for a very, very long time, certainly during my time working in the game, the rating space handicapping system. Uh, and, yeah, the release was made today. May 1 is when this new handicapping system will cross over. So it won't actually... There will be no ratings-based races until July 1. That is the predicted date, very, very strongly predicted date for when the new um, national ratings-based handicapping system will be implemented. But as of May 1, you will, ha- you, you will cross over on a certain number of points based on the class of horse you are, age-restricted or open class. So if you're a certain grade, you'll, go sh- you'll, you'll cross straight over on, on a certain point scale and the matrix is available for that point scale for all participants, owners, breeders throughout Victoria and Australia. But from there, now you will start accruing or losing points between May 1 and July 1 based on your performances. So you can go on the Harness Web if you're a participant and have a look at exactly where you are. You'll know exactly what points you are based on the crossover, which you should be able to basically work out via the um, via that matrix. But if not, you can go and have a look and say, here's my horse. He's a 60 rater right now. And based on a separate matrix, which allows you to accrue points and lose points based on the prize money of race that you're in and the finishing position that you render, um, your points will now go up and down. So it's hoped that by the time that ratings-based races begin, as mentioned on July 1, earlier than many people would have expected, that you'll be very close or, or at least closer than now to your actual rate, where you should be on the rating scale. So if you're actually probably more like a 56 horse, but you're a 60 now and uh, you're tackling races that are too good for you or you can be non-competitive and you'll have the opportunity to lose a couple of points on the way and get down to a rating point basis that is more, I guess, closely aligned with where you are as a horse. And likewise, if you go on a little bit of a killing spree now when you're a lowly rated horse, you're not going to have the opportunity once the rating-based handicapping system gets fully implemented to keep on going on that killing spree because you will have accrued points between May 1 and July 1. So, look, it's, it's not the most easily explained system, but certainly those two critical matrix, matrices, the one that'll tell you where you cross over on a point scale based on your class and also the points you'll accrue and lose based on your finishing position in the races that you can test, are both available to, as I say, all participants. And they'd be well advised to go on a harness web and plot the course between now and July 1 
um, to try and suit exactly where they want to be when that ratings-based handicapping system does become fully implemented on July 1. So um, it's, uh, as I say, a groundbreaking move. We'll talk about it a hell of a lot more between now and July 1, particularly from a programming perspective and how Victoria is going to attack it because each state and jurisdiction is going to have their their own way of going about it. Car plants really into as to how they want to program the races. Certainly Harness Racing Victoria's got their own ideas, but we'll be using Gatesbed as a platform over the next two months to try and um, educate and advise all players in the game as best as we can before this national ratings-based handicapping system gets fully implemented on the 1st of July, Nuts. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Jase. Thanks, Nadia.